Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from September 27th by Scott Shields, titled Advance Anyway. Well, good morning. It's great to be here with you today and uh, thankful. Bring you greetings from South Carolina. You know, you are a generational daughter of the First Baptist Church of Charleston, South Carolina. So uh, it's great to be with you, and so we're thankful for God's movement uh, in uh, over 200 years. We're fixing to celebrate 200 years uh, as South Carolina Baptist, uh, and so just uh, the movement of God and what He's done through our state and continues to do, but then what He's done to motivate the mission, to move the mission across North America and, and literally our impact as Southern Baptists to connect and impact the world. Uh, and uh, I thought it was pretty exciting. I was with some national leaders uh, Thursday week ago. And right now, uh, the fastest growing movement of the gospel is in Iran. You don't hear that on the news, do you? But right now, we've got the fastest growing house church movement in the world happening in Iran right now. And just some of the reports and the thousands that are coming to know Christ and being baptized uh, and uh, proclaiming Jesus as king of their heart. And so that's exciting. I mean, for years we've heard China and other places in our world. But that's a part of our world that, uh, as you know, a lot of the oppression of uh, governments and, and rules and regulations. But God is at work. I pray that for America. I still pray that God would work and move through North America and the opportunity that we have because we have more freedom access to the gospel than anybody else in the world. But yet sometimes we've squelched it, we've hidden it, we've, we've put it down. So I'm glad to be here and uh, I have uh, been coming uh, to Alaska since 1999 it was my first trip up. Uh, we had a, at that time I was serving a church in North Carolina and North Carolina Baptist began a partnership up here, and some of y'all may know that, and uh, was a part of some of those teams. And so uh, back in 1999, we came up and worked with the first native Baptist church right downtown and uh, helped them redo their pews. Now, this is just a funny story. I had no idea how to reupholstery pews, Brother Randy, and nobody on my team did either, but we figured that was something we could do. So we came up and, you know, we, we did, we, we got it done. And uh, we had one guy that came to us and said, you know, I've, I've done some upholstery, you know, before. And so, you know, okay, that shouldn't be too hard till we got up here. That was hard. And uh, to, the, to the point where we were two days from going home and we still hadn't got them pews reupholstered. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to stay up here until this is done. So who's going home and who's staying? And the Lord just gave us wisdom from among highs all I can say and we got it done but that just entered us into a partnership and several years uh, we were going into the doing village work through uh, at that time Pastor Jonathan Wilson who was there and and was kind of the person of peace and engager and we went up to uh, Shung Nak and uh, up in Nak Nak I mean just all places up in the upper part and that was just such fun doing the village ministry uh, and so I've, I've had a heart and a love for Alaska uh, and, uh, you know, several times, uh, even 
thought about coming up here, and the Lord just said, No, Scott, I don't need you to really come up there. I need you to help keep and bringing people up here. Uh, and so since my partnerships, uh, there's about, uh, I think right now, about 12 individuals who came on teams with me who have relocated to Alaska and are doing various uh, kind of covo. They're, they're working jobs, but they're doing ministry. And that's just been really neat to see how God has done that through the years uh, and uh, to, to be able to, to, to be in partnership. And then over the last few years, I've become very good friends with uh, your state leader, Randy Covington, and I have become uh, very good friends. And, and then his brother is, is in South Carolina and uh, working uh, at a church down there as a worship leader. Uh, his name's Alan, and uh, they grew up here in Alaska, and so it's been kind of neat to get to know that family and their heart uh, for ministry here in this state, and so that's what we're trying to do. We, we have a number of our churches in South Carolina who, through the years, have been coming up and engaging in ministry and partnerships, and uh, we just want to see that expand. We want to see uh, the continued opportunities to come and, and, uh, and connect with, uh, with you, the local churches, and so we're looking and, and praying through church-to-church -church partnerships. And as those partnerships take uh, form, then that will help to expand uh, ministry uh, into uh, uh, opportunities of, uh, of ministry and people here in Alaska. You know, we say and I say that every day uh, what gets me out of the bed in the morning is in South Carolina, 3.6 million people do not know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And, that, and that's just a good average. I think it's probably a little more. But at least we know by statistics, 3.6 million people in our state do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's our purpose, it's my mission, my calling. And I love what you said, my seeking as I seek the Lord, then, then I know my calling is to help engage those 3.6 million people with the message of hope. And that's Jesus Christ. And so we, we see ourselves, and the opportunity for us is to advance the gospel. We, we're, we're not sitting back waiting for some, something to happen. We're, we're not sitting back waiting for everything to fall in place. We see Jesus' commission to us as individuals is as we are going, advance the gospel. That in everyday life, in everyday relationships, in everyday situations, we have the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Just like yesterday, uh, we flew into Dallas and we had about a five-hour layover. And uh, my middle daughter, Hannah, uh, lives in Durant, Oklahoma. And yesterday was her birthday. And so the Lord provided so that we got out of, uh, had that time. And so uh, she drove down and, and I met her at one of our uh, favorite restaurants in Dallas called Hard Eight Barbecue. If you ever go there, amen. Woo! Mm, I'm still full from that meal yesterday. But uh, so she drove down, but, but I Ubered over to the restaurant. And, uh, and so just talking with, with Ollie uh, and just being able to say, Ollie, has anybody ever shared with you the good news of Jesus Christ? And, uh, and just having that opportunity and just, I mean, in a short amount of time between the airport and the restaurant, just to let him know about the love of Jesus and that I'm going to be praying for him and, uh, and being able to, to give him something that he could take and look. And he can go online and look at some videos of the, the hope of Jesus Christ. And, and there's a ton of Ollies out there and others that we know 
that uh, need a conversation, need engagement uh, with the good news, the gospel. And so this morning, uh, as, as I began to think, and, and especially, I mean, hey, 2020 has been a year, right? I mean, you know, we talk about disruptions and disruptors. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had some disruptions and disruptors in 2020 because of this thing called COVID-19. And, uh, and it, it's, it's not only individually, but just even with our churches. You know, I've spent probably most of my time this year since March just helping churches think through what, what does it look like? I mean, what, what does ministry look like now? What's it going to look like six months from now? I mean, most of our churches uh, are still just doing, you know, pretty much Sunday morning worship. Very few have opened up anything else at this point. And, uh, and a lot of conversations, but, but just, just what ministry looks like, how it's happening, uh, helping churches get online. I mean, who would have thought that uh, on any given Sunday, thousands of churches now are streaming live. Not just a few, but literally thousands are streaming. Uh, and then those streams are available throughout the week. Uh, and so, uh, but, but what an opportunity, right? To where we can, again, utilize technology, utilize uh, resources that uh, whether you like them or not, uh, we're using them. <laughs> we're, we're getting the word out there. And so I think that uh, it, it's definitely uh, an opportunity. So as I was praying, thinking this, this has kind of been the passage. It always comes to me when it talks about, you know, the emphasis of my calling and the emphasis of, of what God has called me to do, but then also what he's called you to do as the called out ones, the ecclesia of the church. And how do we do it together? So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Now, I, I, there's, there's, there's two places Mark and Luke that give this story. And I love this story because it's just a great picture. It's just a great picture. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm a visual learner. Anybody else in here a visual learner? Amen. Hey, whoo! we got to stay together now. Okay, we got to stick together. But, but I can just see this, and it just makes sense to me, and it helps me see my part, my role in this advancing the gospel, advancing anyway, no matter what comes our way. Because, you know, we can say COVID was a disruptor, but, you know, as I look back, I've had many disruptors. I've had many distractions. And we just have to be careful not to let those disruptors or distractions lock us down because I, I literally know people and you maybe do that that are locked down in fear right now I mean really and so we have to be careful that we don't let things lock us down to immobilize us to where we're not doing what God's called us to do and so this is just a great story and, and you characterize we have Jesus Jesus is at the center, okay? This is in the beginning of his ministry time, and, and he is uh, going through the process. And in this passage of Luke, the first part of that chapter talks about uh, the calling of some of those first disciples and what's going on there. And then all of a sudden, it takes us to this place where Jesus enters into this, this house, all right? And so he's surrounded by some of the religious leaders and others. Uh, and, uh, and so then you got uh, these four unknown men I mean no name the no namers okay that none of them's named you got these four guys that uh, all of a sudden begin to show up with this individual 
Okay, and, and the Bible says that he was uh, a paralytic, so he was, there was something going on with his body that he couldn't himself walk to where Jesus was. So these guys had to uh, take a mat and they had to carry him to this house where Jesus was. And so, and so you got these main characters and then you got the house, you got a mat, you got a roof, and you got some rope. And so you got some items that, ha- that needed to be in place for this story to really take place. And, and so as we, we walk through this passage, I just want you to begin to ask the question, Lord, what are you saying to me through this story? What are you saying to me through this story? And so as we look at this story, we begin here with uh, verse 18. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, okay, you might want to underline or circle that word crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Father, we love you because we know you first loved us. And so, Lord, I just pray that in the next few moments, as we just walk through this powerful story, that, Lord, we would hear from you to speak to our hearts, to speak to our souls. Lord, just what do you want us to learn today? That you would help us be the church that is advancing any way. That we're not going to let anything keep us from advancing the gospel. To see the next generation and beyond know you in a personal way. And so Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Thank you for some great worship songs this morning. That just directed us to that to that vertical place of loving you and praising you and exalting you. Thank you, Jesus, for those words, those songs. Thank you for the worship team and for their their utilizing their gifts and abilities to to take us as your people uh, to where we are now. We honor you in our time. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You know... When we begin to look at this passage, there's just, just some, some key things here, and then I'm going to give you some key action steps to apply. The first thing is, is that, you know, advance anyway is going to require us working together. You know, when you look at this story, you, you again, begin to see the, the things that are taking place and, and the, the, the barriers that are coming into the play of the story and you got to understand that, that it took partnership, it took co-laboring, collaboration for them to be able to, to see this one come to Jesus. And I think it's a great picture for us is that for us to really see the gospel, for us to really see the movement that Jesus wants to take place, that we have to know what it means to work together. 
And you know, biblically, we could, we could stay here and we could talk about the passages throughout the Word of God that talks about the body and the church and the giftedness and, and how we are to utilize and we're to be that, that body that, that is well representative. And it's not 20% doing 80%. All the things we've said through the, through the time and, and through the church age. And, and I think what I have reflected through uh, this year is how invaluable it is for, for me and you to work together, to partner together, that everybody has a place in advancing the gospel. That it's not just ones who uh, get paid by the church. It's not just ones who, uh, you know, if you're coming, you know, right now the average is 1.5 Sundays a month that uh, a good attender comes to the church. So if you come more than 1.5, I don't know how they get to 0.5, but more than 1.5 per month, then you're, you're, you're above average attender. And, and I remember probably 10, 15 years ago, it, it was like three point something. So, so it's getting less. And what we're finding through this, I mean, you're experiencing it here, I'm sure. In South Carolina, we've got about 38 to 40% of people who've not come back to church yet. We just are assuming they're watching online, okay, or, or whatever, but, but they're not coming to church. Now, they're going to Walmart, and they're going to Lowe's, and Home Depot, and all these other places, but they're not showing back up at church. Why? Okay? So, so we've got to know that we've got to work together. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house where Jesus was. And so they came upon this house together, working together. There was the crowd in the house, and probably because of what we see in that time, that wherever Jesus was during this season, He was drawing a crowd. And so when they approached the house, the crowd was in the way. And so we have to begin to start thinking about, you know, what are... The crowd. What, what's the, the, the thing that, that is before us? But before we do that is, we've got to answer the question, you know, what, what's my part of the mat? What, what's your part? What's your corner? And are you picking it up? You know, there, there's such an opportunity that, that as we're serving here within the church, but what an opportunity right now that we're getting to serve on the exterior of the church, I was I was sharing earlier in South Carolina, uh, they have opened up. They, they've taken away all the regulations and all the issues that churches have had to face because most of our schools are virtual. Uh, our our you know, very few of our our upper grade schools or kids are going back yet, but they've asked the churches to open up the churches. Get this, it, that have Wi-Fi so the kids can come to the churches and connect, you know, on the internet. And we say, now that's just silly, because I just got my tax bill on my car, and 200 out of 300 was paying for school bonds. So why can't the kids go to school? And I could be saying that all day, but here's what I'm realizing. God has given the church an opportunity to be the church. Are we taking, are we, are we putting our hands to the mat and picking it up? Because now we have an opportunity. No rules, no regulations. Open your doors, let the kids come in. You've got all day 
to invest in kids. You got all day to sit there with elementary kids, middle school kids, high school kids. And we've not had that opportunity in a long time. So are we taking advantage of it? And so we got to look at that. We got to look at the situation, circumstances. You know, yeah, people have lost their jobs right now. Our, our places are not opened up. What are we doing as the church to put, pick up our piece of the mat and, and go and help those people right now? What, what are we doing? Are we seizing the opportunities or are we just sitting back thinking it's going to happen? You see, these four guys, they, they, had a, they had a collaboration going on here. They had a passion to get this one. We don't, we don't know a lot about this guy and we don't know a lot about these no names. But, but there was something going on in their heart that they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. So are we, are we looking at that? What's the corner? Then also advance anyway requires overcoming the barriers and obstacles. You know, the crowd. All right? That was the first obstacle. These guys walked up, can't get in the door, can't get around them, can't get through them. So then they began looking around. The second obstacle came to play is, okay, we're going to go to the roof. All right? So now they got to figure out how to get this guy up on a roof. Then they got to figure out how to, you know, you start thinking through this story to open the roof. Then they had to lower the, this friend down to Jesus. And so we got to ask the question to us, what are the obstacles that are, that are keeping us from advancing the gospel? You know, and when I think about it, you know, what's the crowd, what's the barriers in the church? What are the things that are keeping us in the church from advancing the gospel? I, I had a pretty good conversation with one of our churches this past week. Uh, last Sunday, and I think it was national, was Baptism Sunday. I, I know it was across our state, but I think it was a kind of a national thing through the Hoosier One North American Mission Board emphasis. And, uh, and, and one of the leaders was talking, I mean, he was just all upset because they didn't have anybody to baptize. And he was frustrated with his leadership because his leadership was more concerned with the budget than they were the baptisms. And you know, the thought that came to me, and I didn't say this to him, was as the church, you know, there's a day where we're individually going to stand before Jesus. And we're going to be, you know, judged good, bad. But if we were to stand before Jesus as the church, is he going to ask us how our budgets were? Or what size buildings we had or didn't have? Or what vehicles we had or didn't have? Or what programs we had and didn't have? No. But that's what we're going to be ready to answer for. Because as I work with 2,100 churches across South Carolina, I can tell you most of them, that's what's in the center of their heart. Their budgets and their buildings. And what COVID has done to a lot of those churches, I hope it's helped them realize that don't mean nothing. Because you don't need either one of them to advance the gospel. Now, he, I, he's more concerned about baptisms in the sense that baptisms is not salvation, but baptisms is the outward expression of the inward transformation that's going through my life and your life when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So the question every Monday for the church should be, how many people went through the baptism pool yesterday? 
Not how much money came in or how many people even showed up. But what are we doing to partner together? What's the barrier keeping us from seeing the things that really matter happen? What's the barriers? Identify them in the church. But then also, just going to get real with you, what's the crowd in your life? Because at the end of the day, it's not Pastor Randy's responsibility to see how many people go through that baptism pool right there. It's the churches, the called out ones who are individualized who come together. It's your responsibility or my responsibility. I love the story that Baptist Press posted this week. Young guy in Georgia, young guy, I'm talking young guy, found out that he had a really rare type of cancer. And the doctors told him that the, the max of life with a kid that gets this type of cancer is 17 months. And you know that young man passed away. But his parents found a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, he had listed 17 names. And where his goal was one a month with his friends to share the gospel. And he began praying for them. And you know that most of the guys, or names on that list, came to know Christ in 17 months. And that at his service, his celebration service, it's recorded that 100 people came to know Jesus Christ because of his death. Wow, that was convicting. Because I've just been hearing who's your one. When I should have one a month, minimum. Amen? One a month that I'm praying for. One a month that I am strategically going to share life, kneecap to kneecap, elbow to elbow, so that I can advance the gospel through relationships and through partnerships. And so that was very convicting to me. To, to upgrade my list. To upgrade my intentionality a little bit. And to expand the partnership that I need to be able to see the gospel go forth. To see this happen. Because these guys, they had a, they had a collaboration going on here. They, they looked at the barriers and they overcame those barriers. And so when it comes to the crowd, there's crowds that the church has. And I've told churches... For the last three months, COVID-19 has given you a whiteboard. It's given you a whiteboard, church. You're not going to go back and be the church and do the things you did that you were doing in February. If you do, you failed. You failed the opportunity that God has given the local church to just whiteboard everything you're doing, to whiteboard who you are, who's your impact, who are you engaging with. I mean, you got it. You better be taking advantage of it. Every church needs the whiteboard. Every church needs to put, it, put the barriers on the board and then ask the question, how do we overcome them? How do we get them out of our way so that we can get our people that we're going and reaching and that we can get them to the feet of Jesus? Because that's what really matters. And then even individually, you know, identify. What are the things in my life? Is it my work? Is it my schedule? Is it my priorities? 
Is it my, as we talked about in Sunday school, my pride that's keeping me from being the Christ follower, the disciple of Christ who is then reproducing into the lives of others? What is it? Identify it. Put it on the board. And then start overcoming it. And help identify the people that need to help you overcome it. Who can build in the accountability. See, that's the the picture I see. these, These four guys just coming together, working together through this whole process. But then I see here, advancing anyway requires faith and obedience. I mean, we, we see here, when Jesus saw their what? Their faith, he said. You know, when he saw their faith. And you know, faith is, is, is something that, you know, it's, it's just taking steps to where we don't know what the next step's going to be. But we're going to take baby steps and we're, gonna, we're just going to let God lead us. We're going to trust Him. See, faith is trust. I mean, it's, it's all these evidences that come into our life when we really have faith. Because it's, it's uh, uh, I remember uh, when we were young, like y'all, and fixing to have kids, and everybody always asked the question, well, how many kids are you going to have? And, yeah, you know, and, you know, the good old answer was, well, I don't know. You know, we'll see what kind of job we have and what kind of, you know, what, how much money we have in the bank. That's a hogwash. I don't think you don't plan for it like that. It just happens, and then you figure it out, right? I mean, you just figure it out along the way. You know, and I think sometimes we as believers, we treat faith like that. Is we want to make sure everything's in place and our bank account's good and my schedule's right and, you know, everything's taken care of over here. That's not active living faith. Living faith is all that can be all over the place, but it's just moving forward and letting God be who God is and letting God do what God does. You know, when's the last time you've seen God show up in your life? If you haven't seen Him in a while, maybe you need to have a little more faith and trust Him and see what happens. See what happens. And so we got to really look at this and because Jesus said, it wasn't because, hey, you guys, you did pretty good getting that, getting that hole in that roof. That's pretty good. That's pretty creative. Hey, I like that kind of rope. What kind of rope? Where'd you get that at? Or, man, that's a pretty rug you put him on. Where'd you get that at? No, that's not what Jesus was concerned about. The heart and the intent and the process of following ship. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus brought to the light is how... And because of their faith, friend, your sins are forgiven. Does Jesus see my faith? Does He see your faith? I, I love what um, Andy Stanley says. says, I'm going to live as if you are who you say you are. And I'm going to let your will be done in my life. You see, we, we, we love and we trust and we read and we study this beautiful Word of God, the breath, the fresh bread that He's given us. And, and we read it and we study it. But we've got to apply it. We've got we to put it into the everyday practices of our life and let it wash through us, let it wash over us. 
Because that's what Jesus wants to see happen in your life and in my life. You know, does, does Jesus see your faith? Does He see it? He wants to. He wants to. Here's, here's some action steps. That as you're thinking about some takeaways, is that the first thing is turn to God. Turn to God. Pursue a love relationship. Pursue the one. It's that gospel picture. Pursue the one that loved you and loved me enough to die. Pursue it. Fully understand it. It's, it's that gospel picture of, of building that relationship back between a sinful man and who God is, holy and just. It's beautiful. And it's a journey. And it's a process. And it's not something that just happens overnight. You just keep persevering it. So turn to God. You know, that's what these guys were doing with their friend. They were turning to Jesus. They were taking Him to the one who they knew could give hope and give healing. And wherever you're at in your life, that same Jesus is still in the midst of us. Jesus is at work. And He wants to take your brokenness and make it right. But then secondly, trust in God. You got to trust Him. You know, I love it. Uh, I, one of the first scriptures, when I came to know Jesus Christ in November of 1979, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And, and the, the youth leader at that time, Lanny Cook, uh, invested in me. But the first scripture, the very first one, they said, Scott, you need to put this, you need to burn it in your heart. And this was before the time of tattoos. He probably would have said, go get a tattoo and put this on it. But it's just Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He said, Scott, if, if you'll put that before you every day when you get up, I promise you, God will lead you to deeper relationship if you seek Him first. And I can tell you, that if I, if I had the time to, to sit here and evaluate the times I got off track, guess what? Guess what I was seeking? It wasn't the kingdom of God. It was seeking me. It was seeking selfish things or, or other things that became disruptors or distractors. But, but when I'm on track, when I know that God is truly using and utilizing my giftness it's when I know I'm truly seeking the Father I'm truly seeking His kingdom and His righteousness and what does that mean in my life and so if anything today trust in God seek ye first the kingdom of God it's just like the beautiful story here you know you, you said that scripture it's all about the priorities. It's all about the, the focus. And if we're going to advance the gospel in any way, as a church and as individuals, we got to get focused, folks. I'm telling you right now in North America, 
we're in a mess. If you watch the news. That's why I don't watch it. <laughs> Cut it off. Get your Bible. Start reading this news. Because this is what really matters. Because listen. Nations have come and gone. People groups have come and gone. But God is still God. And God's people are still God's people. And so we, we got to be focused. We got we to gotta trust in God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then the third thing is we got to team up. We got to get, get back to a team. This is not an individual sport, folks. We got to get back to being a team. You know, when I look back and I see that Jesus called out 12 and, and then 12 went to 72 and 72 to 120 to 30 there in that upper room and then that 120 plus went to 3,000. There was a movement happening because they were a team. They were a team. That, that when the Spirit of God moved into their life, and he began to go forth in and through them, and they allowed themselves to be used. There was a great movement of God. And as I've studied church history and revivals, the same thing has happened. When people get before the Lord, and they humble themselves, and they do repent, and they do turn from their wicked ways, but they're crying out to God to do a fresh movement, a fresh presence in and through them, is that God begins to unite a group of people. And there's just something that happens. You know, I got the privilege living in Asheville, North Carolina, to being right there at the Billy Graham Cove. And, of course, Billy Graham lived right there in the western North Carolina mountains and had the opportunity to be with him a couple times. And, and he came to one of our church services. And just a great relationship. And his grandson... Uh, and I've got to know each other. Uh, and, uh, but, but beyond that was his ministry and the impact. And here's the thing, Billy Graham, and I read it and I heard him say it. The success of the Billy Graham ministry was not Billy Graham. The success of Billy Graham ministry, and even to this day, was the prayer behind the ministry. To where before he would go and do any crusade anywhere in the world, the first thing he would ask is how many prayer warriors are there? And there was places that they declined. There were places they didn't go because when he found out that there was a low amount of prayer warriors, <laughs> he was smart enough to know that it ain't about Billy Graham. But I heard him say this. He said, literally he knew the power of prayer, because when he stood up, he could just say, Jesus loves you. And that's all he had to say. And the Spirit of God was so thick, and people would, would, would just rush to that altar. And you know, we need that. We need that in our churches. We need that in Alaska. We need that in South Carolina. We need that throughout North America. We need to see a true, fresh Movement like we've never experienced. A true, fresh presence of what God wants to do in and through us. And that's going to take us through co-laboring, collaborating together. 
It, it's that, uh, y'all probably heard of Clemson University. And we, we have a good time in South Carolina about Clemson because we got two schools in South Carolina, Clemson and South Carolina, and they're like major rivals. But Dabo Swaney, and, and I'll tell you this, Dabo Swaney is a godly man, coach. And, uh, but one of his slogans, if you've, if you've seen it, is all in. We just need to be all in, folks. We need to be all in. There's no giftedness with anybody in this room or anybody watching online or anybody associated with this church that is not important. And it's when we take all of our gifts together and put them in together, we collabor together, we collaborate together to advance the gospel so that we can see men, women, boys and girls come to a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like me. Just like you. And then we can begin to grow together and we can continue to see that multiplied out. Because to me, what Jesus wants in your life and my life is first and foremost for us to know Him personally. But then He wants to see us multiply. He wants to see us multiply. And to me, I tell you, there, there was no greater sense of uh, just all-out fun than when I saw all three of my girls born. I mean, that's just a miracle. It's a miracle process. I mean, six months ago, y'all got y'all went through that. It's just a miracle process. But you know what? Even more so is when I've been with people who've said yes to Jesus. And then I've seen them begin to grow. And then to see them not become just kids, but to see grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-grandkids. Because i got two granddaughters, and I love my daughters, but whoo! <laughs> little Gabby's my pumpkin Duncan. And little Kai Bear, I tell you what, same thing when it comes to multiplying of generational believers in Christ. Is I can tell you about the Chads. And I can tell you about the Joshuas. And I can tell you about the Steves. But you know, it's the Aaron's and it's the generational people who've come to know the Lord because of the first generation. That's when it gets exciting. And so my prayer for you, church, my prayer for me is that we will advance anyway, that we will turn to God, we will trust in God, and we will team up together and see the gospel go forth. And that we can hear the words of our Savior say, I saw your faith. I saw your faith. I saw you step out. And because of your faith, because of your faith, friend, your sins are forgiven. So who is it that God would put on your heart to reach out to and begin that process? Because we have an opportunity, I think like none other in our generation, to really see the gospel advance. People are just, there's just an openness right now. That is just unique. 
And so let's don't get distracted. Let's don't let the crowd keep us from what Jesus wants to do in and through our lives. But let's pick up our corner of that mat. And let's get people to Jesus. Let's advance the gospel anyway. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.